So it's my joy now to begin our new series in Thessalonians as we look at the Apostle Paul's advice to the church there in Thessalonica, in particular how they are to continue despite the hostility and the trouble that they were facing. And, uh, and we can look at what we can learn from that. But I want to start by telling you a true story. Uh, some of you may have heard this story before, but it will just help uh, uh, set things uh, in context uh, as well uh, for you, for what I want to address today. And it's been wonderful, actually, to hear God through the words and through the worship just speaking to us and, you know, right in line with uh, also what he'd put on my heart to, to bring this morning. So that's, uh, that's always great and encouraging to, to see. So as you know, I'm married to Anna, and she's one of the most beautiful of women, as you, uh, as, you can, as you can tell. And I know you're thinking, how on earth did this ugly mug manage to win that? Well, surely, if you're not a Christian here today, it's a proof that there is a God answering my prayers. And also, she was young and naive at the time uh, as well. There is, there is that. But anyway... One of my friends, uh, who had never met Anna before, wanted to make a really good impression uh, with her. So uh, the first time he met her, he saw her and came up to her and said, Anna, Simon said you were thin, but you are fat. You are such a big, big woman. It's so nice to meet you. And uh, she said... Thank you, Joshua. Now, if any of you in the room were to try this, as uh, uh, I, I heard last time I told this story, someone did try it afterwards, they will get a short, sharp answer from uh, Anna, or maybe, you know, her, some sort of physical, um, in love, of course, contact may uh, come your way. So don't try it. However, the context, for those of you who know this story, is key to understanding it, that this was in Uganda, and this was Pastor Joshua, who was from a village. It was 20 years ago, and uh, this was, at that time, one of the biggest compliments that he could pay Anna, not realizing the, the internal turmoil he was causing her. But still, it was a compliment nevertheless, and she took it as such. You see, the context of understanding that compliment is key, isn't it? Otherwise you think, oh, he's really insulting her. Does he, does he not like Sai? Which, of course, could be true as well. But, uh, but no, he did, he did. And uh, the, the, the same is true in Scripture as well. Understanding the context helps us understand the passages that we're reading. And it's one of the reasons, actually, why I love the uh, third phase of the discipleship uh, pack that we've uh, produced because it looks at the big story, the context of your life, what God has been doing in your life within the context of what he's been doing within the whole of history, particularly running through the Bible and the, the big picture of the Bible, but also from uh, the time of the early church up until today. And it helps you see your life in the context of God's big story. So today, before we dive into the book of Thessalonians, I'm actually going to read, only going to read one verse from Thessalonians uh, this morning. Um, we're going to look at the context around 
the, the letter of Thessalonians from a teeth back in. So if you've um, got a Bible, uh, then if you want to open it to Acts chapter 15, we're going to look at Acts 15 to sort of 17, 18. I'm not going to read it all. I'm just going to read a few verses there, but I'm going to give you the context, and the context will, will appear as I sort of uh, speak uh, about it on the screen behind me. But if you've got a Bible, you might find it just handy to look at the different passages. So Acts chapter 15. The council in Jerusalem is an amazing time of unity. About 15 years after Christ rose from the dead, they've gathered together to just celebrate all God has done over the last 15 years. And in particular, they've gathered to hear and discuss how God has taken the church from being a mainly Jewish thing to include the nations as well, chiefly, in fact, through the ministry of the Apostle Paul and Barnabas. And the council gather, and as I said, in an amazing time of unity, they give direction on how the non-Jewish believers, the Gentile believers, are to live as Christians. Sadly, this amazing time of unity is followed quite shortly afterwards by a time of disunity between the main two people who had taken the gospel to the world, Paul and Barnabas. They fall out over what is really a minor issue, and they part companies. And whilst history tells us, and actually 1 Corinthians 9 sort of hints at the fact that Paul and Barnabas made up uh, later, it's a really sad truth nevertheless. Paul then forms a new team with Silas and Timothy on his second missionary journey. And they go out and they get off to a pretty miserable start on this journey. They're forbidden by the Spirit to speak in Galatia. So they try to pass through Myasia and get to Bithynia, only to be told by God, no. Now, I was going to put up map up there. I, I, I haven't. But the important thing to realize is that by this time they had traveled 400 miles on foot. So that's a lot of time and energy spent at this point. So they then travel another 200 miles roughly on foot to get to a place called Troas, and uh, uh, only to hear God call them another 100 miles on over into Europe. So they get the Macedonian call, praise God, but they've got to go on a dangerous boat journey. So they arrive in Philippi, and they see a few people get saved there, which is great. Things begin to happen. There's a power encounter with a girl with a demon. Uh, she's set free, but the people don't rejoice at this. They beat Paul and Silas, and they chuck them in prison. Oh no, what's, what's going on, God? They could have been thinking. They could have been moaning. But no, in prison, they're there worshipping God and praising him. And then there's this earthquake in the middle of the night, which means the prison doors get thrown open. The jailer thinks, oh my goodness, the prisoners have escaped. I'm going to be killed. My life for, for theirs. So he's about to take his own life. And when Paul shouts out, no, no, don't do it. We're all here. And he saves the jailer and then points him to Jesus so that the jailer and his family come to know the Lord. Hallelujah. He's then released from prison, but he's not allowed to remain 
in the town. So he moves on. And that's where we uh, pick up the story in, in Acts chapter 17. He goes to the town of Thessalonica, a key city, the capital city in Macedonia. In fact, it's named after Alexander the Great's uh, half-sister, for those of you who like to know that sort of thing. And let's pick up the story here in Acts chapter 17. It says, Now when they had passed through Amphipolis and Apollonia, they came to Thessalonica, where there was a synagogue of the Jews. And Paul went in, as was his custom. And on three Sabbath days, he reasoned with them from the scriptures, explaining and proving that it was necessary for the Christ to suffer and to rise from the dead, and saying, This Jesus, whom I proclaim to you, is the Christ. And some of them were persuaded and joined Paul and Silas, as did a great many of the devout Greeks, and not a few of the leading women. But the Jews were jealous, and taking some wicked men of the rabble, they formed a mob, set the city in uproar, and attacked the house of Jacob, Jason, seeking to bring them out to the crowd. And when they could not find them, they dragged Jason and some of the brothers before the city authorities, shouting, These men who have turned the world upside down have come here also, and Jason has received them. And they are acting against the decrees of Caesar, saying that there is another king, Jesus. And the people and the city authorities were disturbed. And when they heard, disturbed when they heard these things, and when they had taken, some, had taken money as security from Jason and the rest, they let them go. The brothers immediately sent Paul and Silas away by night to Berea. And when they arrived, they went into the Jewish synagogue. Now, these Jews were more noble than those in Thessalonica. They received the word with eagerness, examining the scriptures daily to see if these things were so. Many of them, therefore, believed, were not a few Greek women of high standing as well as men. But when the Jews from Thessalonica learned that the word of God was proclaimed by Paul in Berea also, they came there too, agitating and stirring up the crowds. Then the brothers immediately sent Paul off on the, his way to the sea. By, uh, but Silas and Timothy remained there. Those who conducted Paul brought him as far as Athens, and after receiving a command for, si for Silas and Timothy to come to him as soon as possible, they departed. So Paul is left at Athens. He spends a bit of time there. He, he preaches there. He sees a few people respond to Jesus. And then he moves on to Corinth. And it's there that Paul and uh, Silas and Timothy uh, join him. He has a really successful ministry there. God tells him to stay there for 18 months, in fact. And it's there that theologians tell us somewhere between AD 50 and 52 that he wrote 1 and 2. Thessalonians. So that's the context around the letters that uh, we are going to be looking at over the next few weeks and months ahead. And why have I spent time outlining that? You see, you don't have to be very old at all. In fact, probably, you know, uh, five is may even be too old uh, to realize that life doesn't run smoothly. There are setbacks. There are disappointments. There 
are tragic losses, divorces, key people let you down, a national key figure suddenly loses their life, although we were kind of expecting it to some degree. It's still a shock when it comes. Unexpected health issues in your own life, mental health issues, family issues, unwanted people with evil intent hurt and damage your life or lives of a loved one. Other people's just selfish and reckless decisions negatively impacting you and your family. Most of us in the room will sadly know many of those things that I have listed. Life is difficult. Life is hard. It seldom works out the way that you thought it would. Some of you here this morning may actually be thinking to yourself, how on earth did my life end up in this place. Maybe even physically, we're thinking, how on earth did I end up in here? But more likely, metaphorically. And just because you become a Christian doesn't mean that these things go away. In fact, actually, sometimes they get worse because Jesus said that the world will hate you because of him. The devil most certainly will hate you even more and make a special aim at getting at you and your life. But you see, my friends, the beautiful thing is, and we've been singing about it this morning and hearing about it in some of those words, God is not aloof from your pain or from your situation or through the things that you've been going through. He's not unbothered by it either. The Bible says he is a very present help in the time of your trouble. The Bible says that he's given us his spirit and the spirit is the comforter, the counsellor, the helper, the one who comes alongside you. He is the one who will actually never leave you or forsake you. He will never let you down. He is totally faithful, completely reliable, always true to his word. You can trust God completely. And whilst I don't know why he allows certain things to happen in each of our lives, I do know that God will help you through whatever he has caused to come about in your life, whatever he's allowed to come your way. He will lead you through it. And ultimately, actually, there is a purpose in it as well. He can bring good out of what others intended for evil, as chiefly seen in the cross of Jesus Christ. Amen? Their wicked men, out of jealousy and hatred for Jesus, put him to death on the cross. And yet, the Bible is clear. Actually, this was part of God's sovereign plan all along. And Jesus himself willingly went to the cross. He, he told his disciples that's what he was going to do. So that he could take on himself God's punishment for the things that you and I have done that are wrong, that offend God and that hurt one another. Because we've all done things that hurt others. Three days later, Jesus rose again victorious as a sign that not only had he conquered sin and death, but that he had made a way for us to be forgiven 
for us to know God, for us to receive God's Spirit within us, and for all those who give their life to Jesus, that they, they can know for certain that just as Christ rose again from the dead, that we too will rise again to be with him for all eternity, rather than face God's judgment, which we all naturally deserve. God had a plan in it all along. And my friends, as you trust God with the twists and turns in your life, that is true for you too. Many of the twists and turns, this side of eternity, we don't understand why God has allowed them to come about. But we will in eternity. However, if we, like the Apostle Paul, you can see there's loads of twists and turns and funny things happening in uh, these, uh, the, the overview of the passages I've just given you. If we, like Paul, don't get distracted, keep our eyes fixed on Jesus, our spiritual ears open to his direction, then we begin to realize little by little, oh, God allowed that to happen because of this and this. There's many things we do begin to see something, a little bit, of what God was doing in that situation. And from these chapters as well that I've just briefly given you an overview of, it's clear that even in the growth of the kingdom, even when people are focused on bringing God's word to people and and extending the gospel to the nations, things don't run in smooth, straight lines due to persecution, due to uh, Um, not only things without, but also sin within, within the the church community, within the individual themselves as well. God himself may choose to close doors for whatever sovereign reason he's got for a season and open other doors, but you have to sort of go a roundabout way to get there, and you don't understand why. Often it is he's doing things in you, but... Sometimes we, ha- we don't really understand. So what I'm saying, my friends, is, and what, these, what the context tells us is, don't be surprised as you try to live your life to please God that you face trouble from the world, setbacks from some Christians, issues from within your own self as well that cause you to get, you know, uh, have some hardships that you wouldn't have had. Stay true to Jesus the good shepherd, and he will hold your hand and he will lead you through this life into life eternal, where there is no sickness, where there is no suffering, where there is no pain, where there is no death. You know, many of you know um, the story for me and Anna of how we ended up here. Actually, there's lots of twists and turns in our life that happened that ended up, and they weren't pleasant at the time, some of them, that that, but God used them to shape us and ultimately to bring us here to Helsham. And, you know, we're seeing God's purpose in that. And I know some of you in this room, this is true for you too. And actually, you're still grieving or you're still healing from some of these twists and turns in your life. But my friends, God is faithful. God can be trusted with anything that comes your way. And ultimately, that's why the Bible tells us 
to not only fix our eyes on Jesus, the author and perfecter of our faith, but to fix our eyes on the age to come. The Apostle Paul writes this, and he himself went through more hardships than most of us. He said, or any of us, I'd imagine, he, he writes this, For I consider that the sufferings of this present time are not worth comparing with the glory that is to be revealed to us. And that he's talking about in the age to come, not here and now. You see, no wonder, as Paul is writing to the Thessalonians, as you'll see as we go through the letters, who they themselves were facing so much difficulty and persecution. You know, the, the, the people there in that town weren't only content to try and stop Paul's preaching in their town. They sent people elsewhere where Paul was to drive him away. So you can imagine what the church was facing in that situation. No wonder, Paul, then, in every chapter in the book of, of 1 Thessalonians, refers to the return of Christ in some way. He points people to the return of Christ. And the second letter, basically two-thirds of that letter, is given over to the return of Christ. He's correcting some misunderstanding that they had about it, but it's focusing on that so that they can get on with living obedient lives here and now for Jesus and play their part in this age as they look forward to the age to come. Paul, through the power of the Holy Spirit, was living for the age to come. And he was encouraging the Thessalonians to do the same as well. And us, through them, to fix our eyes on Jesus, to fix our eyes on the age to come, and to trust him through this life. You see, my friends, keep pressing into God. That's what I'm encouraging you this morning. Keep your heart soft before God. Don't let pain or pride dull your heart to what God is calling you to do. Allow his Holy Spirit this morning to soften your heart, to comfort you, to sustain you to heal you, to refresh you, to re-envision you and recommission you for all that God has for you for the rest of your life. Hear God's word to you today and over the coming months as we look at the book of Thessalonians, or both books of Thessalonians, as we look at the whole thing of faith under fire, which starts in a very simple and straightforward way. Actually, Paul uses the standard letter-writing way of the time, and yet he thoroughly Christianizes it, which is actually a sign to us, even in, in that, that we're supposed to go about, in one sense, living ordinary lives, and yet we're called to thoroughly Christianize all that we do, thoroughly point people to Jesus in all that we do and say. So let's look at the book of Thessalonians in just the first verse uh, today, because I've already spoken uh, enough on, on the context of it says this, Paul, Silvanus, and Timothy, that's, that's Silas, but just a different way of saying Silas, to the church of the Thessalonians in God the Father and the Lord Jesus Christ, grace and peace to you. The three men that had gone through so much to bring the gospel to the Thessalonians are writing to encourage them in their trials, 
to stay obedient to God. And they're reminding them of their identity, who they now are in Christ Jesus, that they are the church of God in Thessalonica. It's not a building, it's the gathered people of God. They now belong to God, the Father and the Lord Jesus Christ equally. Actually, he's there already in that first verse, hinting at the equality of Christ in what is the first verse of probably the second or possibly the third letter written in the New Testament. Straight away, the Apostle Paul is reminding them of their identity in Christ. And through them, he's reminding us. He's saying that once you were not a people of significance, but now you are the people of the living God. You can approach God through Jesus as your Father, the one who loves you. And the Bible tells us that elsewhere, not not only can we approach God as a good Father, as a loving Father, just qualify that for some people uh, here, but... uh, Also, he adopts you into his family as sons and daughters of the king. That's what it means to be the church of God. That's what it means to be the people of God. And it's only available to us through the Lord Jesus Christ, through his perfect life, his death, and his resurrection. As we put our faith in him, we can approach God as Father Otherwise, as I said earlier, we remain under God's righteous judgment for our rebellion and our ignoring of him. Thus, we as a church here in Helsham, we need to play our part in helping those around us and those in this area realize their need for God, realize their need to be able to approach him as a loving father. And of course, because of As of last week, all of you are now praying for that one person that you want to see saved by next September. If you're thinking, what's I talking about? Listen to the message from last week. It's online. It's available there. It's on YouTube as well. You can can get it there. We're all praying for one person to be saved before next September. Each of us to lead someone to the Lord. See, because once we're in Christ, which most of us in the room are, hallelujah, we receive God's grace and his peace. It's guaranteed. It's automatic in Christ Jesus. Grace meaning favor. Him giving us what we don't deserve. His love, his his forgiveness, his eternal life, the gift of his spirit, adoption into his family. And peace, not just meaning as it does in English, the absence of trouble, which, you know, Jesus makes it clear that in this world we will have trouble, but the peace, that sort of peace from absence of trouble will happen in eternity. But peace being the shalom that it is in Hebrew or salam as it is in, in Arabic, that, that, that the whole concept of wholeness, of fullness, of well-being, spiritual well-being in particular. Hence why Jesus can give you peace in the midst of trouble. Hence why he himself could tell us the night before he himself is going to go to the cross, could say, peace I leave with you. My peace I give to you. 
I have said these things to you, that in me you may have peace. In the world you will have great trouble or tribulation, but take heart, for I have overcome the world. So my friends, whatever you're going through at the moment, whatever fiery trials will come your way over the coming weeks and months, as they will, they could come from the devil, they could come from the world around us, they could come from within yourself, or even sometimes, sadly, from other believers as well. As you live for God, cling in faith to Jesus through the power and help of his Holy Spirit, and he will faithfully lead you through this life to life eternal. God hasn't left us alone as orphans to, 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 to try and battle this out ourselves. He has given us the Holy Spirit to help us along the way. Amen? Amen. Can I invite the worship team to, to come back up? I'm just going to pray that God will fill us afresh with his Holy Spirit. But before I do that, actually, if you're here this morning and you don't know Jesus, or if you're here and you're watching uh, us online and you want to surrender your life to Christ, as I've, as I've shared these things, and you think, actually, I want that hope that goes beyond the grave. I want that eternal life. I want to be forgiven. Uh, then uh, just pray this prayer of surrender to God along with me in your heart. God knows what you're thinking, so just pray this prayer in your heart. Heavenly Father, thank you that you have loved me enough to send Jesus to die on the cross for me. Please forgive me of all the things that I've done wrong that offend you and hurt others. Please help me through the power of your spirit to live the rest of my life for you. And I ask this in Jesus' name. Amen. Amen. If you prayed that and you're here this morning, please come and see me afterwards. I'd love to speak to you more about it. I'd love to give you one of these books. They're there by the door as well. You can grab them on your way out. And if you're watching online, please contact the office. We'd love to help you in your Christian journey. But can I invite the rest of us to stand? I'm just going to pray that God will fill us afresh. And then we're going to sing a song in response. And as the song begins to die down, if you're here this morning and you know, God, I've been going for a tough time. I just want someone to come and stand alongside me and pray for me. Uh, then come forward at the end of the song towards this and there'll be people there. If you need healing this morning, come forward. We'd love to pray for you. If you need God to break through in a situation, come forward. We'd love to pray for you. And I'm just going to pray for us all now to receive afresh from the Spirit. Lord, thank you that you said you're not leaving us as orphans. That, Lord, you said it's better that you go because then you can send the Spirit. Thank you, Holy Spirit, that you live inside of us the moment that we put our faith in Jesus. And Holy Spirit, we welcome you here afresh this morning. Come and have your way in us, Lord. I pray for each one of my brothers and sisters here. Whatever they're going through, Lord God, whatever situation, whether that person in the, in the valley that uh, the words were speaking about earlier or whether they feel like they're on a mountaintop, Lord God, I pray that you would come and meet with them afresh. Fill each one of us, Lord God. Envision us, Lord God. Help our eyes to be fixed on Jesus the author and perfecter of our faith. Help our eyes to be fixed on the age to come, not distracted by the things 
of this world, Lord God, but focused on eternity and the things that are, are of eternal importance, Lord God. Do a deep work in our hearts, I pray. Holy Spirit, have your way. Help us to focus afresh on Jesus and surrender all to him this morning. Come, Lord. Have your way amongst us, I pray. Just pray this in Jesus' name. Amen. Amen.